Hey fam, before we get to the show, look, if you haven't heard the news, you guys, if you haven't heard, we're going on tour. We're going on tour. We are coming to a city near you, like within the next 30 days. I want to tell you where we're going, you guys. We're going to Washington, D.C., August 28th, Philadelphia, August 29th, San Francisco, September 2nd, Los Angeles, September 3rd, Seattle, September 5th, and Denver, September 6th. We have surprises in every city. We promise you, no two shows are the same. Our show in New York was not the same as Nashville. We are making these special for you guys. We cannot wait to see you. And if you think we're crazy to be going on tour in this moment, let me just tell you, it is going to be the funnest and safest night of your entire summer slash fall. Everyone coming to the show has to be fully vaccinated, and everyone needs to wear a mask during the show. And I know that sounds hard or maybe impossible, but if the good people of Nashville can do it, where we just did two shows, last week. They wore their beautiful masks the entire time, and everyone had a blasty blast. Am I wrong? We had so much fun, and of course, we would love it to be another way, but we still want to come and see you guys, so we are making it work as best and as safely as we can, and we really had a blast in Nashville. So go to our website, disappearedpot.com, click on the See Us Live link, get your tickets quick. I'm telling you, a lot of the shows are more than half sold out already. Come see us for the funnest, safest night of your summer. I was going to make a condom joke, but I'm not going to. You know, when we do these recordings remotely, like we're doing today, you're meaner to me. Well, explain yourself. You're meaner to me. You just said, you know, you do the cold open. I need you to shine a little bit. You didn't think I was going to tell the people you said that? I was trying to be loving. Tell them. Well, I feel good about it because guess what? I'm back in my day robe. It's like 2020 (laughs) all over again. Oh, no. Hi, Ellen Marsh. Hi, Patricia. Look at how cute you are on the I know. Phone. You're so far away. I feel like I haven't seen you in a year. I saw you, like, last Tuesday. You guys, if you want more Ellen and me shenanigans, join us on the Patreon. We've got so many episodes for you to download a binge. You get three bonus episodes every month. We just started Evil Lives here, you guys. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. The first one's real, real good. I feel like we're, like, putting our toe into the Evil Lives here pool, right? The first episode is the Dirty John episode, you guys. Yeah. It's called I Killed Dirty John. It's bananas. We also did a whole bunch of episodes of See No Evil. That's the one where they solve murders with surveillance footage. It's crazy. Yeah, and before that, we did Snapped, which is all about crazy women doing murder, and that's okay. <laughs> I mean, the murder is no, not okay. Not- the, no, 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 no. The fact that we covered it is like, I'm going to yeah, stop talking yeah. now. And we also do online Zoom trivia once a month, generally the first Friday of the month, where we all gather, we have a drink, we test your knowledge on true crime, OWD, and all things Patrick and Ellen. It is such a blast. I look forward to it every month. It is so fun, and I just walk away, and my heart is so full of just all of our crazy true crime Speaking listeners. of walking away, Hey, do you remember the last time you walked away from trivia and you were a little drunk and I texted you and said, if you don't text me back in one minute, I'm calling the police? I remember that vividly. I actually could <laughs> post a screen cap above that. <laughs> All right, you guys. It's season five, episode eight. Oh, I didn't write down the title. What's the title? You always write it down, so I never write it down. <laughs> You always write it down. Whatever the title is, you guys, it tells the very sad story of the disappearance of Noah Pippin. I know, and I have 700 Pippin jokes, and I'm not proud of it. But we got magic to do just for... I can't. I'm sorry. I'm not proud. Noah Pippin, a 31-year-old ex-Marine, leaves his parents' home in Michigan and travels west to report for drills with the California National Guard. 
He told us he was headed to San Diego. He had two weeks plus to get there. But Noah never shows up. This just isn't like him. I haven't experienced Noah in this way before. Investigators pick up a trail that leads them far from Noah's stated destination and into the wild. The Forest Service believed they had seen him walking along the road. With scarce clues, it takes a long shot to finally uncover key witnesses. As we read this article, it was obvious that we were this family. But this ominous account leaves Noah's family wondering what happened to their son after he hiked into the unknown. I'm choosing to believe that there is hope. So it opens in August 2010. Sweet Noah Pippin is visiting his parents for a week in Traverse City, Michigan. We learn he's the oldest of three boys, and then the dad says something. And I'm just going to say the words, and you can tell me what they mean. I feel like I know exactly where this is going, but let me help you out. The dad says they're, quote, enjoying the nature up there. Is that even English? Yeah, sweetheart. They were doing a lot of fishing. They were doing fishing things with the boats and the tackle. And not the fun kind of tackle, you know, like the... Not like the tackle, like the cuddly, like maybe could lead to sex tackle, but like, you know, the tackle. They said they were having lots of fun being on the water. And and yet I did not see any gays in booty shorts drinking Cosmos during Pride Weekend. That's what I imagine fun on the water is. When I see these things, these personal attacks on you, on (laughs) Disappeared, I think of you for a moment. I think of how you're going to react. And I'm just glad I can be here to talk through these things with you. So nice. Let's normalize not having fun in the nature. Yeah. You know what I mean? But wait till we get later. It is They give us some beautiful scenery a bit later, though. <laughs> totally. Okay. I mean, not great things happen there, but it's still very beautiful. <laughs> yeah. You okay? You're all right over there in Los Angeles. <laughs> What'd you do today, Ellen? Tell the people what you did today. What did I do? Did I-, I will just tell you this. Ellen sent me a text last night asking if we could record a little bit later, and I responded at 4.30 a.m., which was when I was like just making my coffee, and yeah. she goes, you're just starting your day, and I'm just... Just going to bed. <laughs> that actually happened. Yeah. And I was like, can I get an hour more sleep? Yes. <laughs> and you're like, great. Yeah. I knew that when we put in the calendar to record at 11 a.m. L.A. time that that was probably going to get pushed back. Well, that's okay. I mean, you Let's know. Let's just say Ellen didn't go to L.A. for volunteer work. Okay. So All anyway. right. All right. <laughs> Noah had arrived in Michigan from Los Angeles, California, driving a U-Haul van filled with his belongings. After a year and a half as a police officer with the Los Angeles Police Department, Noah had recently left his job and was making plans to go back on active duty with the military. With no need for an apartment or household items while deployed abroad, Noah had planned to give most of his possessions to Goodwill, then simply live out of his car at the National Guard Armory in San Diego until his orders came through. While he was awaiting his orders, he was going to live in his car? To which I said, where are you going to shower, sis? Yeah. Or eat or poop? Where are you doing your pooping at, Noah? You care a lot about pooping. It's <laughs> It doesn't ever stop being weird. So that's what he did. So he drove all of his stuff from L.A. to Michigan, and then he was going to sort of bookend it with a little bit of <laughs> Ellen's a family. Ellen's phone just fell over, you guys. It's going great. It's going real great. Oh, now I'm getting a poor connection notice. Oh, great. This is going to be a real good recording. She's also, like, in her underpants with her breasts <laughs> hanging out of her sweater. This is uh, great. This yeah. is real great. <laughs> it's 
I forgot what a mess this used to be. You said we're recording remotely. I understood the assignment. I have shown up to record remotely. You did not give me a dress code, sir. I will be right back in my day robe exactly where I'm used to being. Wait, if you get a day robe, I want a gay robe. Somebody make me a gay robe. How have we never thought of that joke? I don't know. His mother interceded and said, hey, you know, can we see you before you get activated? Why don't you just bring your stuff home? We'll store it for you. It was important for me to get him home. Other times that he had deployed to Iraq, he had chosen not to come home and visit us before he left. And knowing that he could die, um, in those situations, I sure enough wanted to give him every reason to decide to come home and visit mom and dad. His mother was like, here's the deal, my love. Right. How about you come visit us for a week and just let us hold on to it? Yeah. We'll just, we got that basement with nothing going on down there. We're going to put all your shit down there. And also, if you want to hang out with us for a week, I've already told you about hanging out with family for a week. It's, you know, that's a lot. They seem to enjoy it. They seem to have, a, they've got all the boating and the nature to do. So maybe the problem is that we don't have enough interests. Yeah. Maybe when, when we hang around, I'm like, when is it five o'clock? When does the bar open? Speaking of interests, I've got a question for you that might stump sure. you. Do you have any hobbies? No. I collect stray Broadway divas and try to turn them into podcast stars. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Someone asked me that. They're like, what are your hobbies? I was like, bitchy tweets? <laughs> is that a, a hobby? On the morning of August 25th, 2010, it's time for Noah to say goodbye. He got ready to go on uh, the Wednesday morning, and I said, oh, Noah, can't you stay a little bit longer? And Noah said um, something like, I- I'd like to, but no, I-, I gotta be going. That was unusual to hear him express that with kind of nostalgia that he wished he could. So it's August 5th, 2010. It's the day he's leaving and his mom really wants him to stay. And she says like, you know, for the first time he wasn't super dicky about it. And he was like, you know, mom, I'd actually really like to, but no. Yeah, it was actually very sweet. And she said there was something behind the way he said that. But they had this great family vacation and Mama Rosalie realized they didn't really have an up-to-date and new family photo. So before he got in the cab, the cab driver came to pull him up to take him to the airport. And she's like, hey, will you do me a solid and take this family photo for us? Mom and dad and the hot brother. I'm not sure which brother that was, but he was very hot. I'm surprised I'm mentioning it before you. Well, you're super horny in LA, so I guess it makes a little sense. But like... The brother is very hot. And the other thing that we learned, too, is that, like, Noah is usually, like, Daisy, apparently. Because the mom's like, and he didn't even say, like, oh, mom, no photos. He, like, let her take the picture. Yeah. And I was like, huh, I guess that thing with the kids hating their picture being taken never goes away. Yeah. (laughs) Well, first, Daisy's going to charge you. Like, the the amount of pictures. (laughs) I don't blame her. The amount of pictures you take of Daisy, like, she's, I I, I side with Daisy. She's like, dad, (laughs) put it the fuck away. I look the same to Today as I did yesterday, you psychopaths. Yep, totally. So then Mama Rosalie says that they said their goodbye and that was the last they saw of Noah. Yeah, so the idea here is that Noah is being driven in this taxi to a rental car place and then he's going to drive the rental car out to San Diego. And so he's gone and he like doesn't call when he arrives in San Diego and the parents are like, you know, that's fine. Like the dad says this thing where he goes, you know, we raised our kids to be independent, boys. 
And I was like, oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Can Give me a minute on that one, will you? Do you mind? Sure. Yeah. No, please. I, take it away, Ellen. Yeah. I can't imagine you didn't think I would take issue with that statement, <laughs> but, you know, here we are. Yeah. But, like, the thing was, he said, we raised him to be independent. And he's like, you know, because, like, we're guys. And, like, yeah. I am all for independent. We, You and I are both highly independent people, like, anti-codependent. I'm not encouraging, like, codependency. But, like, right. I just want to say that, like, that doesn't make you weak that you might need people. Like, I get it. I'm from an old-school yeah. Italian family. Weakness is not savory in some cultures. But, like, <laughs> can we stop? Like, the way he was yeah. just, like, you know, just that hot kind of, like, we don't ask for help. Asking for help takes strength. Please just know that. I love you. I'm off my soapbox. That's it. Yeah, I love the idea that if he had called when he goes, like, hey, mom and dad, just want to let you know I arrived safely. They hang up, and the dad just, like, puts his head in his hand and shakes his head, like, what a p- yeah, you know like what I mean. So... Sorry that you had to hear me say that. No, but it's true. There, it was just a very old school mentality, and then like it just yeah. makes me super defensive for people that might be struggling because I have been incensed about Simone Biles for a full seventy two hours. So like, oh, yeah. all I wanted to do was be like, leave people who are struggling alone. Anyway, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. It's late in the afternoon. We get a call from Sergeant Haggerly, and he says, "Where is your son? He hasn't reported for duty." It was our experience with Noah that he would never miss any of his military obligations or with the LAPD. Knowing Noah's reputation for being so dependable, his sergeant had decided to check in with the Pippins before reporting Noah AWOL, or absent without leave. So it's September 11th, 2010. It's two weeks later, and they get a call from the sergeant. Like, the remember, Noah was going to join the National Guard, and he was like, you know, I guess you check in with your sergeant when you get there, and like that. And then he was awaiting his orders, and he never did that. And the parents kind of freak out because we learn that, like, Noah's not that kind. Like, yeah. he takes his duties and stuff very, very seriously. He would never, like, not show up. And so everyone's a little bit like, this is not good. It's yeah. not good that he's like, the sergeant's like, I would have reported him AWOL, except for the fact that, like, we all know he's not like this. Yeah. And then Papa Pippin decides to say that he wants to (laughs) think about your life, Pippin. All right. I hope they have no gay friends, because if they do, that is what their life is like all day, every day. So Papa Pippin says they want to take a wait and see approach. To which I said, bitch, what? It's been two fucking weeks. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't two weeks then. That They waited the two weeks, but I mean. No, no, no. It's been two weeks since they've heard from him. Right, right. And I would take a similar approach, like a wait and see approach. I would just call it panic and freak out. Yeah, very similar. Which it doesn't have the same ring, but has the same enthusiasm. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> but the mom goes from like zero to suicide real fast. But Rosalie doesn't share her husband and son's sense of calm. The men in my family felt that uh, we should not do anything alarming. But my gut was something is not right. I'm thinking, my goodness, did he, did he kill himself? Mama Rosalie says, and she pauses, she says, well, they thought we shouldn't do anything Alarming. (laughs) Which, of course, I am jumping to conclusions because that's the only exercise I get nowadays. But it makes me think... (laughs) 
that they were saying like, mom, don't be hysterical, mom. Don't be crazy, mom. Don't go overboard, mom. He's fine. Like, I feel like there was a lot of squelching of Mama Rosalie's initial female instincts that were kicking in. Which has probably been going on for the last 40 years. Three sons and a husband. She's the only woman. I'm sure there are listeners who are like, that's my life. My sister is two boys and a husband. Yeah. Own your feelings, Mama Rosalie. I don't think that like when you haven't heard from your kid in two weeks and that he hasn't reported for duty and you feel like you should let the authorities know, I think that's okay to go ahead and do that. Yeah, but didn't it feel like she was like, we decided to, you know, and she she wasn't on board with that we. So they try to like, quote, handle it themselves. They call him, they email him. I'm like, yeah, you're doing a bang up job of handling it yourselves, guys. And all the while, Mama Rosalie is not okay. She has a feeling in her gut that he has been contemplating suicide. And to your point, Mama Rosalie, now I am totally okay with the word suicide, but when it comes up, she says it about 187 times. But Noah's extreme decision, not only to quit a job that seemed so promising, but to get rid of his apartment and everything he owned and voluntarily return to combat, caused his parents to worry that something disturbing was going on in their son's life. It was very alarming and sent off big red flags in my mind. I wondered, is he thinking suicide? So the mom is looking at his behavior saying everything he'd ever had his entire life, he was just going to throw away. And the mom, she's having some sort of like parental intuition here. Yeah, absolutely. And to paint a picture, I don't mean to paint Papa Pippin as like a strong, not... You can't keep calling him that. <laughs> it just rolls off Papa the tongue. Pippen. I it know. Just... Gotta but... find my corner. We could just sing through the, the whole album by the end of the, by end of the, end of the recording. Well, he says, you know, how happy he was and And then it cuts to a picture of him in uniform looking very unhappy. And I'm not here to cast judgment. And I definitely don't mean to say that the smiling picture is an indication of happiness at all. But I'm pretty good at reading people. And so is Mama Rosalie. And Mama Rosalie's point was like, I just think there was something else going on with my son. And I feel like nobody was really listening to her. What makes you feel like you're good at reading people? How many times have your relationships ended up in court, girl? She's making a lot of faces, you guys. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I knew from meeting you that you would be the downward spiral of my life. (laughs) And You guys, I forgot how intense it was when she would lean right into the FaceTime. Yeah, She'd lean right in. It's been a moment. But also, you know, going back to the story at hand so we don't get too off topic so I don't get 100 iTunes reviews about that. Um, (laughs) Thanks for those guys. Feel free to go leave a good one and counteract that nonsense, you guys. always go off topic. Yeah, we go off topic because we're talking about some dark shit. Yeah. All right. Plus, we've known each other for 20 years. we got a lot of dirty laundry to air. Yeah, we got a lot of dirty laundry to air. Ooh, that should be the title of our next uh, podcast. But after a year and a half on the force, Noah very suddenly quits, claiming to be disillusioned with his job. He was a black and white guy, and working as a policeman, it's not always black and white. You know, it's not always honorable choices. There's going to be politics involved. Politics that Noah, with his high regard for protocol, didn't feel comfortable navigating. The realization that the job wasn't working out was a crushing blow. So I wanted to tell you, I took a deep dive into the historically corrupt police departments. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Tell us everything. <laughs> well, no, sounds because... really interesting. Isn't 
what you felt like he was getting at. He was saying without saying. He was saying that Noah liked protocol. He liked rules. He liked yeah. all of that stuff that the Marines instills in people. And didn't you kind of feel like that's what he was saying about the LAPD without saying it? Sure. I mean, oh, no, no, no. I, I definitely agree. I could see how, like, becoming a cop would be a difficult transition for somebody with a military background. Absolutely. Yeah. But the parents sit him down and they say to him, like, straight up, we think you're feeling suicidal. And Mama Rosalie says, he assured us that he wasn't, but his mom just doesn't believe it. And it did. It seemed like a very nice and open conversation that they had. But fast forward to when he's missing. Remember how they said they were going to take the wait and see approach for all those weeks? And Mama Rosalie was like, uh, excuse me, do you guys maybe think we could like call the cops now? Like, do you right. think we could, can we find my yeah. son, do you think? Or are we still waiting to see? <laughs> no, I, I think we're going to wait and see because we've waited and we've seen. We haven't found anything, so maybe we could... Can we start looking now? It's been almost a month. Yeah, and she's just, like, looking around. She's like, can we... I'm going to call the cops if that's cool with everyone. Is that good? Because my thing is that, like, we find out that two more weeks go by, and she then has to convince her husband to call the cops. And I'm like, did she forget where the phone was? Did she... Like, is she not allowed to use the phone in her own house? Oh, You dear. know, Mama Rosalie, you could call any time, girl. I know. I know, I know that you don't like women having credit cards or any waiting. access to their yeah. to their own money. I, I I know that historically that's the approach. How do you feel about women being allowed to use the phone to call the cops about their missing kids who've been gone for four weeks? Are you on board with that or no? Do they no? Just just for clarification, do they dial the phone on their own? Because I don't know if women can remember all of those numbers. That's a good question. Yeah, uh, that's why we simplified it to nine one one. Can you remember three? Do you think? I yeah, that's a great point. I think it's fine. I think in this instance, it's fine. <laughs> But do not let those hysterical women vote. Do you hear me? That will be the end of society. So it's the 24th and they finally call the state police. And the, the police, quite frankly, they don't really think anything of it. They're like, yeah. you know what? He probably just didn't want to go to work. That's right. probably what right. happened. I love the idea that, like, the parents call. They're like, my son, who's been in the military, who's incredibly responsible and was a police officer, has now been missing for four weeks. And we think there's reason to worry. And Christopher tells us the cops disagree with that. Yeah. They actually don't think there's any reason to worry. They're like, no, I think, I think he's just taking it easy, Mom. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think you're being hysterical and I think you're being yeah. a little crazy. <laughs> Her headpiece just fell out. Sorry. It's a, did, you, did you have an earthquake over there? No, I just, I move around a lot. I'm very expressive with my body. I've heard. Uh, so, okay. Mike and Rosalie have no choice but to try to find out what happened on their own. In an attempt to establish where Noah actually went, they start by contacting several local cab companies searching for the driver who picked him up on the day he left for California. But again, the Pippins encounter resistance. Nobody was willing to talk to us because they are all saying, this is all confidential information. This man is an adult, you know, we're not gonna talk to you guys. So the parents are calling around all the cab companies in town because they can't remember which one came to pick him up. To which I said, I once lived in a small town. There's like one cab company. Traverse City isn't a small town. Oh, tell me everything you know about Traverse City. Well, it's not a small town. Okay. <laughs> Do you ever get a contract doing dinner theater there? Is that how you know about it? Traverse City has a population of about 16,000 people. It's the 61st largest city in Michigan. Uh, oh, is it? Really? Because my building in Manhattan has a population of about 16,000 people. So still feels small to me, girl. <laughs> 
That was funny. All to say, there's a couple cab companies. How would you know? But then Mama Rosalie <laughs> gets the brilliant idea. She's like, wait a minute. The cab driver took a picture of us, our family picture, that last family picture, and I got a picture of Noah getting in the cab. So that means the name and the number will be on the cab. Boom. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? It's Mama Rosalie. It's kind of amazing to see that picture because, like, there it is, the name of the cab company and the phone number. Because previously, the cab companies, when they called them, they wouldn't talk to them. They're like, that's private information. We can't just tell you where we took somebody. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I was like, give, right. <laughs> g- give me two seconds and a running start, and I can hack into your email and find every single Uber and Lyft you have ever taken. You can't tell me where my potentially missing son is. Right. Nah. Yeah. Nah. I don't, I don't buy it. It feels a little bit like everyone is in cahoots with the missing guy. It's like, can somebody just help these fucking parents trying to find their kid? Yeah, I know. So, and by the way, I, you know what I thought? I was like, well, it had to have been a cab because it couldn't have been Uber. But do you know when Uber started? When? Take a guess. 1925, based on the look on your face. When did it start? Okay. Well, that now that's ridiculous. <laughs> and you ruined my whole side goop. <laughs> What year? 1998. 2009. Huh. I remember thinking, I'm never doing that. That sounds crazy. There is this meme that I've always loved that says, like, 1980s, your parents tell you, never get in a car with strangers. 2010, literally summon strangers and get in their car. (laughs) Totally. The Pippins contact the Michigan State Police, who follow up with the cab company. They quickly confirm to a state trooper that Noah did indeed go to the local airport and pick up a rental car. The rental car company is then able to tell the trooper where Noah went from there. He was able to determine that he had driven to Kalispell, Montana. He drove the car to a place called Kalispell, Montana, and, like, dropped the car off. Right. This is kind of shocking news. Like, he didn't drive to San Diego, everybody. Yeah. and nobody mentioned anything about Montana. Now, Christopher tells us that this area of Montana is very touristy. Kalispell is located near the Rocky Mountains, near Glacier National Park, which actually is a thing I've heard of. Oh, look at you knowing geography. How cute are you? I know. It's an international tourist destination. And the mom is like, oh, he wasn't going to kill himself. He just wanted the nature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so she, Mama Rosalie, was really happy. They're like, okay, okay. That was, I admit, I was a little off the wall thinking he was going to die by suicide. But wait, why is he in Montana? <laughs> like, she- right. right. Yeah, and so they contact the local police there, and we meet Detective Pat Walsh. And Detective Walsh gets a copy. I like the way you said that, like, allegedly that's his name. Like, no, it's Pat Walsh, honey. No, it's... Okay, great. <laughs> Pat Walsh? Is it Pat Walsh? Because I wasn't sure. Is Pat short for Patrick? Okay, I wasn't sure. Put it in the footnotes. Thank you. <laughs> Pat Walsh? Walsh? They knew that he had rented a car at an airport in Michigan and then had driven to uh, Glacier Park International Airport north of Kalispell. But Mike is able to provide Detective Walsh with some additional information, a copy of Noah's most recent cell phone bill. His cell phone records showed that he had called a taxi company. However, the taxi company did not have a record of where they had taken him. 
And Detective Walsh gets a copy of Noah's cell phone bill, and we find out that he had called a cab company, but there was no record of where this cab company had taken him locally. That was his last call. So it's like he vanishes... Into thin air. Yeah. Yeah, and that really does make them start to think about foul play. Like, he just turned his phone off. Right, they do start to suspect foul play because everyone is like, nobody knows anything about Montana. Like, who's ever heard Noah talk about Montana? And, like, nobody has any answers. No one knows why on earth he would not show up for his orders in San Diego. No one knew he was taking a detour. This is all new information. So they start to think that he is in some kind of danger. That makes total sense to me. Right, so now we're jumping to December. 2010 and they they look at his financial records so again his last call was august 31st they look at his financial records and they see that like noah had been in a place called hungry horse which is 20 miles from kalispell and this is a really small town this is it's a place that has fewer than a thousand residents they have like little hotels that cater to people that are traveling to go into the national park and they find out that noah paid for a two-night stay at a place called the mini golden inn what a weird name for a a little motel. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's it's small. It's a small hotel because okay. it's a small town. So hence yeah. the mini. And Golden Inn because it's Montana is a golden place to be. It actually makes complete sense to me. <laughs> wow. Well, then now it makes sense to me too. I just, yeah, I physically can't with you today. With, with all, <laughs> okay. you know what I mean? The proof of Noah's motel stay is a breakthrough. But it still doesn't tell Detective Walsh why Noah was in the area, or more importantly, who he may have been with. He had purchased uh, items from local stores and eaten in some local restaurants. The one receipt at the Elkhorn Grill, based on the amount that appeared that he paid for two people. This could mean that Noah came to Hungry Horse to meet someone. You guys, we get this thing where they're like, maybe he was meeting somebody there because they get his like receipt from a restaurant and they say it appears that he paid for two people at one restaurant. And I just thought, oh God, if this were me and I had gone missing and they just saw like my receipt, they'd be like, it appears that Patrick paid for eight people. (laughs) And then there was like another eight or nine people that were just drinking. Just drinking. (laughs) There's a lot of booze on that receipt. It's a lot of food and a lot of booze. Did he have a party? <laughs> Leave him alone if he wants a second breakfast. <laughs> it appears he paid for two people. No, bitch, he was hungry. Yeah, it appears you're judgy. That's what it appears. Right. <laughs> Does Patrick know a small family? Yeah. I don't... Who, who enjoys mimosas? <laughs> I don't... I don't know. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to hide the evidence. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes to eat with a lot of people. He, he never eats alone, that Patrick. He never eats alone. I'm just trying to cover the trail. You know I'll be there defending you. You know. <laughs> so, but the, the other question was, and the, I, we got a moment with the dad here where the dad's like, maybe he went to Hungry Horse to meet someone, whether, whether it was a man or a woman. And I thought, <gasps> are we going to finally get our first gay character on Disappeared? Nope. No. Still no gays. No gays. Season five, episode eight. Still no, <laughs> no, still no gays. So five months after Noah left for this trip. Oh, wait. Oh, can I make one more joke? Yeah. It's a joke that's going to carry us through. Okay. We find out that Hungry Horse is also located on the edge of a thing called the Bob Marshall Wilderness, mm-hmm. to which I said, they named the wilderness after the guy that directed the Chicago movie? <laughs> is that who that is? Yeah. I, no, baby. 
That's Rob Marshall. Where do you think Bob come? Bob and Rob come from the same name. No, but if you look at the credits, it's Rob Marshall. But I know people who call him Bob Marshall. Rob is a derivative of Robert, and I understand that Bob or Bobby can be a derivative of Robert, but in the uh-huh. credits it says Rob Marshall. I think you're grasping. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really seized on this opportunity to take a joke I was going to make like seven more times and really just bury it, huh? I mean, Bob Mar. it just it doesn't fit. It's like calling uh-huh. like Stephen Sondheim Steve Sondheim. Oh, he got it. He doesn't go by that. You guys, about a month ago, Ellen had in the backseat of a with a 26-year-old <laughs> Just letting everybody know where we're actually at here. So, you oh know, Mr. May, I guess I, that all my jokes are perfect, but. I love that you were backed into a corner and you chose <laughs> violence. You just chose to attack me and hit uh-huh. me where it hurts. I mean, yeah. like you had no choice, so you yeah. just decided to divulge my secrets. <laughs> One time, Patrick <laughs> in the <laughs> on 10th Avenue, and he said it was the hottest thing ever. <laughs> and he was 29. <laughs> the the <laughs> yeah. Not the recipient of my on 10th Avenue. <laughs> oh, I fucking love it. Your joke didn't go your way. Oh my God, you are. <laughs> so the mom is back and it's December. And again, like this mom's really going through it and she's convinced that he must be dead. And so like, this is where she's just like sending him emails yeah. to like, the hoping that he'll respond. Yeah. You know, I do and that I'm to like, you all and- the time. I'm like, this makes my 47th email since two Tuesdays ago. Dearest Patrick. <laughs> but then this is where Noah's brothers remind the parents that Noah left all of his shit in the basement of the house. Noah's brothers convince their parents it's not time to give up yet. They remind them that Noah left boxes of his things in their basement that could contain clues about his plans. Caleb was telling us, you guys need to get busy and go through those footlockers of Noah's. And I'm saying, but Caleb, there are 19 or 20 of them down there. And and it's so hard. It's so hard to go through them and have him not be here. And it just makes you focus on missing him. I love Mama Rosalie because they're like, let's go through the stuff. And she's like, oh, God, he had so much stuff down there. <laughs> I know. I had the same. Like, they were like, no, 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 we'll find some clues. She's like, oh, God, I don't want to go through that. <laughs> don't, make, don't make me go through that stuff. Mama Rosalie, in telling us the story, is like saying, like, that the younger brother said, you guys got to go through those footlockers. But she says, you guys got to go through those footlockers. <laughs> and I screamed. Oh, I didn't hear that. Jennifer, play it. Let's hear it. You guys need to get busy. You guys. So Mama Rosalie begrudging is like there is a Golden Girls you know marathon on but I guess I'm gonna go through the stuff and they're happy they did they found this notebook and in the notebook were directions to a place called Blue Lakes which was in Montana and the which is where though located in what wilderness the Bob Marshall wilderness they named it after that guy that directed Chicago come on babe why don't (laughs) we paint the town it's Rob Marshall anyway but 
The directions were written out originating from the last place he was seen, which was Hungry Horse, that little town. Yeah. The directions were from Hungry Horse to the opening night of Chicago. How do you think that town got that name? Hungry Horse? Yeah. I feel like they were like, you know, someone was like, well, this looks like a town. And then and he's like, well, there's not much here. There's some cows over there, some horses. No, horses look hungry. God damn it. That's a damn good name. What? Hungry Horse. No. No, no, just listen. Hungry Horse. It's very literal. People like that. The written directions outlined in the notebook start from Noah's last known location, the town of Hungry Horse. We also found in the same notebook a list of supplies, beef jerky, honey, the kinds of things you would take with you if you were going to go on kind of a two-week force march. The discovery is compelling evidence that Noah was planning a wilderness trek in Montana weeks before he left his parents' house on August 25th. Oh my God, I literally, when I saw this list, it's beef jerky and honey. That's what is on this list, and that's what he was taking out into the wilderness with him, and that is disgusting. Well, really, because it made me realize that I don't put beef jerky on enough lists. So okay. <laughs> I need to find some more lists to include beef jerky, if I if I'm I may. Banning you from ever having beef jerky in the office—that is disgusting. You don't like beef jerky. Beef jerky? Have you checked your sodium lately, sis? The point of this list and all of the things that they find is that it seems like he's been planning this trek into the wilderness for weeks, which includes the time that he was like living at home with them. So like under their noses, as he's like, "Yes, I'm totally going to be driving to San Diego to go enlist in the National Guard." He's like planning this other trip into the wilderness of Montana. Which is great. They know that he was taking this trip, but where is he? Where is he? And like to add more to the mystery, they're like four months after he vanished, Detective Pat gets a call from the mini Golden Inn, the place where he had been staying. And they're like, they found a whole bunch of his shit in the lost and found. It just appeared to be partial items of clothing, automotive plug-ins and chargers for his cell phone and his computer. However, we did not have the cell phone or computer. They were missing. Also among the items is a brightly colored gun lock, indicating Noah had a weapon with him. But his firearm appears to be missing as well. Lost and found. You literally have one job. (laughs) To find the lost stuff and find its owner, and it took you four months to come up With this phone call to help these, you have one job. You find lost shit. That's it. And especially, like, the detective had just called, like, the month before. Like, this is kind of important information. But it's like, you know, the stuff that they have are clothes and charges for the cell phone and the computer. But the cell phone and the computer are gone. And I was like, oh, God, did he forget his chargers? I was like, have you ever been, like, like, you're on the airplane. You're just looking for the charger for for the last three hours of the flight. You realize you left it plugged in on the wall, even though your husband told you 15 times not to forget that charger. And now you can't even say anything about it because if you let him know that you actually did forget it, then he will just be proven right and make that face that he makes. Can we go off the air for a second? Yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> that seemed that yeah. seemed loaded. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's just a hypothetical, Ellen. Yeah, yeah. Because I've never lived through that. Yeah, okay. I, w- okay, we, c- we can come back now. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> they also find a gun lock, which is empty. And so now they know that he had a gun with him and the gun is missing. And so now it's like, well, maybe he did go off into the wilderness to kill himself. Like, where are you, Noah? Meanwhile, Detective Walsh contacts the Forest Service, hoping that someone in their extensive network of rangers 
could have spotted Noah in the sprawling 2.4 million acre Rocky Mountain wilderness where he was supposedly heading. This part of the forest is located in northwest Montana. This area is designated wilderness. Um, we have grizzly bears, black bears, coyotes, mountain lions. There's no roads, so we have a trail system of over 2,000 miles. They have to wait out the winter because they want to go into this wilderness looking for him. And we have Deb McLeod, who's the district ranger in the northwest of Montana. And she's like, no, 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 no. This is the wilderness. This is like bears wilderness. This yeah. is coyote wilderness. This is like some into the wild shit. So I made this note. We meet Ranger Deb. I probably saw her at all the Lilith fairs. She yeah, seems uh, like the type. Yeah, yeah. I love Ranger Deb. And she literally is like, there's lots of wild animals and no roads. So best of luck to everybody. Yeah. And there are some like, you know, she basically tells us there's hiking. There's a few cabins like that are sort of, you know, on these paths for these crazy people. You know, there are crazy people who all they do is hike. I follow these people on TikTok and they're hiking from Mexico to Canada on purpose. Yeah, they, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, they walk. All they do is walk. <laughs> You wake up, you walk. You camp, you get up, you walk some more. That's what these people do. But anyway, that Deb tells us that's that's what this area is for, is people like that. I know. I don't understand. Those people in me don't have a lot in common. But Deb says they're looking for this guy. They want to know if anybody saw him. So they track down some of the people who are, like, renting, like, the hiker's cabins out in this area. Nobody has seen him. They said there was, some of the rangers actually did see a guy with a backpack and a jug of water that kind of, like, fits the description. But they can't, they're like, yeah, it's like a guy with yeah. a backpack and a jug of water, like, in the wilderness. That's yeah. not completely uncommon, you and, know? And not entirely helpful. So yeah. now it's June 2011, and the Pippins... Wait, I've got something to say about this. Okay, sweetheart, it, go ahead. It's, it's June 2011, and they say, the spring melt is underway. And I said, we have to wait for the summer for the fucking spring melt to start? <laughs> Why would anybody live there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure we have some listeners in Montana. Hello? Sure. Hello. But the spring, you can't call it the spring melt if it starts in the summer. You know what I mean? I mean, that snow. I, I know. That snow, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so Noah's family comes up to look for him, and they do the fucking hike. They hike all the way into the interior of this area, and the dad's like, it was gorgeous. Noah definitely would have loved it here. They don't really find <laughs> I anything. Lo I love that. They're basically like, now we haven't found anything, but can we come back here? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's really stunning. No, no one would have loved that. Now I see. Can we get one of them cabins? I mean, yeah, you can you can rent a cabin. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's let's pay a vacation, honey. Like they really, really took to Montana. Yeah. And they talk to the local news and they head home and they say, like, as soon as they get home, some guy named Bob Shaw, who saw the news story, calls them and was like, I actually think I saw your son on September 15th. Shaw explains that on September 15th, 2010. He was on a hunting trip in the Bob Marshall Wilderness when a man in his 30s, wearing a camouflage boonie hat, a pack covered with a poncho, and carrying a plastic gallon jug, walked into their camp where they offered him a cup of coffee. Mike and Rosalie immediately report the sighting to Detective Walsh. I uh, emailed a photo and they positively identified him as Noah Pippen. That's the guy they talked to. And so we learn that he, this guy, Bob Shaw, had been out on a hunting trip in Bob Marshall Wilderness, the wilderness they named after the guy that directed the Chicago movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to I'm so, just gonna agree. It's kind of like how I ended my marriage. I just agreed yeah. and I nodded until the pain was over. <laughs> yeah. So... 
he explains them and then they like show him a picture of Noah and he was like, no, actually, that is exactly who it was. And he positively IDs that the person that he saw on the mountain that day was absolutely Noah. And he also says this guy says that this Noah guy said he was in the military, that he served in Iraq and had been a police officer. And that information hadn't been released anywhere else. So there's no like it had to have been Noah. Like they, that guy would have had no way of knowing that otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So this basically confirms he was definitely in Blue Lakes, exactly where the notebook said he would be. And now they know that he wasn't met with foul play. He's If he's yeah. out there and if he's alive, he's still out there or something has happened to him. And the parents are thrilled because now they have like a time and date that somebody actually saw this guy in the woods. They know where he went, but it also means that he was AWOL on purpose. Yeah. and Which he is was- real bad, you guys. Like, you get in a lot of trouble for that, but also like, it's way out of character for him. So yeah. what's going on? Why is he there? Exactly. And then they kind of speculate. Was he there just to clear his head in the mountains? Was this truly an into the wild situation? Seeing if he could survive the elements. Was he finding himself? Was he like, you know, going through a depression? Was he trying to die by suicide? All of these answers come with more questions, basically. Yeah, because the big thing about this is that everyone, we're going to meet a couple more people who encountered him. And everyone is saying, like, he didn't have any shit. Like, when you go into the woods, like, that far into the woods, like, you have gear and packs, and, like, he was literally just a guy with a backpack and a poncho and a jug of water. Like, he was ill-equipped for the coming winter. Remember, these sightings are happening in September. Mike and Rosalie Pippin are able to locate a forest ranger who also encountered Noah early that same day. The ranger that ran into Noah, um, I think, woke him up sleeping in the middle of the trail, and they had him move. The ranger noted that Noah seemed fit, but appeared under-equipped for his stated destination, one of the most rugged areas of the park, the Chinese Wall. The ranger says that, like, when she talked to him, he was hiking out to a place called the Chinese Wall. And then as soon as they say that, the music changes, and all of a sudden it's very, like, dark and scary. Yeah. And we see this, like, sheer cliff that's, like, miles and miles. It's like a three-day hike to get to it. And, like, he had told this ranger that's where he's going, but he, like, doesn't have food. He doesn't have enough water. He doesn't have, like, a tent to sleep in. Yeah. So it's very scary. So then we meet another witness-slash-hiker, Donnell. She was out with her family, And Noah comes up to their camp. And again, she notices he doesn't have much. Like, we have tents. We have walking sticks. We have water. We have, you know, everything. And Danelle says that, like, when we decided as a family to take this hike out to that deep part of the woods, we planned it for weeks. Like, it's not the kind of thing you just go and do. Exactly. And she said that, you know, she invited Noah to the camp. You know, do you want to stay with us? And he basically said to her, and she said she'll never forget it, no, I'm good. I'm just going to, like, find a tree and sleep under it. Yeah. Danelle is saying that, like, he was polite and kind, but, like, was not thrilled to be running into people. Yeah. Like, he definitely wanted to be, like, mountain man out in the woods by himself. When we went to bed that night, it was crystal clear. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. But the next morning when we woke up, the clouds were just down on the wall. You could barely see the wall. And my husband just immediately said, we're getting out of here. Donnell tells Mike that it took her family a total of two days hiking through dangerous freezing rain wind and snow to get back out of the park. 
the husband was like, we got to go and we got to go now because like the conditions are changing. It's getting very dangerous. They never saw Noah again. And they're like, there's no way he could have survived up there without any equipment to survive the elements. Right. And even, you know. It's as though they encountered me in the woods. And I was like, I, I heard this was the way to Cosmo Teeny Town. <laughs> Does anybody know where Cosmo Teeny Town is? And they just look at you. They're like, yeah, he's hopeless. Good luck, honey. (laughs) But, you know, they do make mention that, like, he's a Marine. He can survive. I mean, sure. But we're talking these are elements. So now, with all of this information, the family and the police and Pat Walsh, the detective, are assuming they are now looking for possibly Noah's body. But then there's, like, a twist. Because on July 2nd, 2011, it's two weeks later, they get an anonymous call from someone in downtown Missoula and she says that she saw a homeless man like sort of with a sign on the side of the road that said he needed bus fare to someplace and then she saw like the missing person poster of Noah and was like that was him I'm pretty sure that was Noah and so this gives the family some hope so they get a helicopter and a search team and they go in for a recovery and just so we understand how remote it was it took the helicopter an hour to get to the location where, you know, Danelle said they were and where this Chinese wall was. So that's how deep into the wilderness he truly was. Yeah, and they say, like, from the air, they were looking for, like, grizzly bear activity because they say, like, you know, this has been the end of the long winter. They think that he may have died before the winter and now that the thaw has happened, if there are human remains up there, like, the grizzly bears go after it. And they say, like, from the air, they didn't see any grizzly activity. They didn't see really anything. They didn't see him they didn't see any sign of a camp and they kind of turn around and head back and think maybe he wasn't there at all yeah and that's how it ends i mean like it it ends with the dad being like everyone loves the mystery except for when it happens to your fucking family you know so from some side research almost two years after noah was last seen in the montana wilderness he was now remember he was a several days hike from civilization and on august 24th 2012 noah pippin's body was recovered and reports indicate that noah died from exposure and he froze to death and it was said that noah must have known what was happening because he placed a photo of his parents on top of the sleeping bag he was in so maybe he knew it was coming. There's something I do want to mention that wasn't covered in the episode that I did a little side research on, and that's a major study of 60,000 Iraq and Afghanistan veterans show the rate of PTSD to be about 20 to 30 percent, and as many as half a million U.S. troops who have served in wars over the past 13 years have been diagnosed with PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, and it is a mental health problem that some people develop after experience Experiencing a life-threatening event. It could be, you know, combat or a car accident or sexual assault. And they don't really talk about it. But, you know, I think that Mama Rosalie's kind of gut instinct as to what was going on with her son was probably spot on. And there weren't maybe enough people listening to him. So if you or anyone you know is suffering from anything relating to PTSD, you can call the National Center for Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder at 1-800-273-8255. That is 1-800-273-8255. I am not a doctor by any means, but the story of maybe his potential sadness could have been linked to something bigger and deeper than just, you know, wanting to escape for a moment. But say something funny. 
When we record again later tonight, can you put some shorts on under the day robe? It's just getting a real casual over there, okay? No! No! Bow, 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 Oh, you guys, we love you so much. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you want more Ellen and me, join us on our Patreon. We call it the Drama Club. Every month you get three full ad-free bonus episodes. You get our monthly trivia with special guests, which is always so fun. There's ad-free versions of these episodes. It is so fun. You can also join our close friend circle on Instagram at the Breckenridge Bestie level. And please follow us on socials, The Disappeared Pod on Instagram. And we love our Facebook group. It is the Obsessed with Disappeared Pod podcast discussion group you can find us there you can find me at ellen marsh on instagram patrick at patrick hines underscore we love interacting with you if you're feeling generous and you want to give us a five-star review on itunes and tell them why you love us we would appreciate it so much if you have anything less than five stars please keep those opinions to yourself thank you i love you (laughs) girl i love you come home soon i love you i love you you. Bye. bye And they offer him a cup of coffee. I'm like, could you get the guy a cocktail? Yeah. I, I'm like, coffee? My God, he's been hiking for months. And they, and then, sir, would you like, would you like an apple teeny, sir? You look a little thirsty. Why don't you take off your shirt? You look a little warm. <laughs> I don't know why I turned this into some brokeback mountain musical. I have no idea. Whatever. And yeah. then I realize, you know what they say that Kalispell is the New York of the Northwest. That's oh, what they, do they? Yeah, they call it the medium apple. They call Minneapolis the mini apple. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Oh. Wow. <laughs> you you killed that joke. I'm really sorry to be ruining your mediocre humor today. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually, that's fair. <laughs> I just, sometimes I don't know where you're going or where you've uh-huh. been. But I uh-huh. could sing something from Pippin about it. <laughs> that's okay. All right. 